Well, hello again and welcome to another episode of the Hyperion Adventures podcast. I'm Tom. As always, I'm here with my wonderful, beautiful California adventure loving wife, Michelle. Hi, everybody. Hi, sweetie. So good to have you with us. We are recording this episode on Sunday, July 7th, 2019. We just got done watching the U.S. women beat the Netherlands for the World Cup, their fourth Women's World Cup title. Congratulations to the U.S. women. Oh, I got choked up just hearing you say that. It was uh, such a wonderful match, a really tight match for most, most of it. Uh, then finally, Megan Rapino comes through with a penalty kick and uh, went up 2-0 and U.S. wins. And it's just great to have those women out there performing so well for our country. Yeah, absolutely. Very exciting. Very exciting. It was a very exciting morning. Now we're just hoping for the men who play in the Gold Cup title tonight to kind of hopefully follow suit and have it be a U.S. sweep today. Right, right. Big soccer day for the Big U.S. Big soccer day. Men and day. women. We have a big day for you here on the podcast as well. Lots of stuff coming on. Uh, we got a lot of stuff to talk about. Thank you for joining us today. In the future, you can find us most everywhere you get podcasts. The most important site to find us is our own website, HyperionAdventuresPodcast.com. Yes, and we are loving to be an interactive podcast, so we do love to hear from you. We're very active on social media, but you can also email us with some topics and ideas, and we will... Uh, definitely give you full cred. Absolutely. Uh, we are very interactive on social media as we are everywhere. Matter of fact, we have a ton of stuff going on this week with other podcasts. Uh, regularly, I've been joining and Michelle's been joining a couple times, Rob LaBerry and the Jedi Temple Archives podcast. That continues mm-hmm. on. Uh, Tony and his son Sparrow and Stitch from the Disney Discussions podcast, we recorded something for them Gosh, it was a couple months ago. I know, I kind of forgot it. (laughs) Dealing with Star Wars. They've been working on that, editing it. They're finally going to have, I guess, a series of three straight uh, shows dealing with what Star Wars means to them. And uh, we are going to be a part of that and some various other podcasts are going to be a part of that. So you're going to want to check that out as well. Also, later today, we are finally getting to... This is something we've been in the works for months on. We've been looking forward to this. We're going to be connecting with Keenan and Rachel and part of our world podcast to talk with them on one of their shows. Yeah, we're very excited about that. We love the topic that they are having us be a part of. So mm-hmm. it's, what a fun day. Mm-hmm. So Busy, busy day. And, busy day. Uh, we'll keep you informed when all this stuff is happening and where you can find it all. And the best way to find us on social media is on Twitter at Hyperion Podcast. We're also on Facebook, Instagram, and Pinterest at Hyperion Adventures Podcast. And as Michelle said, you could always email us at any time, Hyperion Adventures Podcast at gmail.com. Right. And we love to hear from you. And we also love when you share the information about our podcast with other folks. So we really appreciate if you tell a friend, a family member, co worker, whatever. Uh, And also, if you have time, we love getting your reviews, loving that feedback. We want to make this a fun podcast for everybody. Yes, uh, we want this to be a podcast that everybody can enjoy. That's why we try and hit a wide variety of topics. If there's not something that you really like this week, maybe something that we will go over next week, or maybe even within the same episode, we try and hit a wide broad variety of topics. That way, everybody can enjoy this show. So speaking of that, we have a lot of stuff for you on the show today. First of all, we are going to have our review, spoiler-free, of Spider-Man Far From Home. Uh, We now know who will be playing Ariel in the live-action Little Mermaid. We'll discuss that a little bit. By the way, during that uh, Women's World Cup match, 
Uh, the Mulan trailer dropped, yes. and it was amazing. Awesome. We may discuss that a little bit. And we have a list of the most streamed Disney songs. <laughs> You're going to want to wait and see if your favorites are on this list. It's very interesting. But our main topic of the day, we were we just talked a little bit about Spider-Man Far From Home. Well, one thing that's coming to the California coast, coming to Disney California Adventure Park, is the Marvel-themed land that's supposed to open sometime in 2020, I believe. And one of the attractions there is going to be a Spider-Man-based attraction. We're really looking forward to that. And we kind of thought about it and we we're discussing and we're like, look, we haven't really touched base on what we love so much about Disney California Adventure Park. So we decided, hey, you know, let's do a five favorite list. So we are going to do our five favorite things about Disney California Adventure Park. Yeah, we're really excited about this. I mean, I, I, I know that there's a lot of new things that are happening now. And we just thought um, it's, it's a park that may not get a lot of discussions. Yeah, it's kind of it goes by the wayside. Everybody yeah. knows Disneyland Park. When you think about Disneyland, you think about Disneyland Park mostly, and now especially with Star Wars Galaxy's Edge opening there, it's getting more to talk about that. And of course, everybody knows Walt Disney World and all the different lands that are out right. there, all the different parks that are out there. But sometimes California Adventure kind of gets lost in the shuffle. So we wanted to give it a little love today. Yeah, looking forward to it in our top five. Yes. So again, it's our five favorite things we love about Disney California Adventure Park. And it's going to be mostly, I think, things that uh, you can't really find in any other park. I mean, because we know that right. you know a lot of these parks share either uh, the same attraction or similar attractions. I think this is going to be mostly things that we could just find at Disney California Adventure Park, correct? Exactly. Yeah. So let's get to it. We always start our five favorite lists with Michelle because her lists are always the best lists. They're always interesting lists. We are controlling transmission. For the next hour, sit quietly and we will control all that you see and hear. And it's already starting to be interesting right off the get-go. I could hear something going on there. Let's get to Michelle's number five, uh, the favorite things about Disney California Adventure Park. Well, actually, uh, what we were I'm trying to take over this podcast momentarily because before getting into the top five, we thought it would be good to really kind of go over a little bit about the history of California Adventure because right. that might be something that... Not everybody is quite aware of. Uh, I think when it first came out, it wasn't uh, as well received or anything, or as kind of missed the mark a little right, bit in right. so many ways. Yeah. So, so I don't know that a lot of people know about the history, but um, so, anyways, just to kind of go through that, it it was uh, first opened in two thousand and one, but it sits on the land that was originally purchased by Walt Disney himself in in nineteen fifty. So it was for 40 years the parking lot for Disneyland. I've parked many times <laughs> right in the middle of what would be, I don't know, the uh, Pixar Pier or right? uh, Cars Land <laughs> and had to take the the, uh, the the trolley up, not the trolley, the but the tram, uh, the tram up uh, to there from that because that, that, yes, that used to be the parking lot. Right, right. So um, there were a lot of issues uh, and executives who were trying to keep the cost significantly down when opening this park. And there's really a lot of interesting events that made those move happens. We're not going to get into that right now. Um, but the main element, though, is how those cost-cutting 
decisions really impacted what the Imagineers had originally designed for the park. And so instead of Disney having its unique Disney experiences there, it was more carnival style rides and kind of cheesy carny uh, games. And we were there uh, very early on at the opening. And from a personal perspective, um, it was when I first moved out to California Mm -hmm. from Florida. And so seeing California Adventure not have the grandeur that one would think of a Disney park. It was really sad and disappointing. Um, and and we weren't the only ones that kind of felt that way. I think you can remember yeah. the first few times we saw it was like, wait, what? <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, when they first announced it here on the West Coast, we were excited. Finally, you're going to get a second land or second park out here at, at, at Disneyland and at California on the West Coast. But then you know, when they actually opened it up, it was just kind of lackluster. It never really had anything that was exceptional about it. I, I You know, I mean, it had California screaming and it had uh, the Mickey wheel. And, right. and you know, it, it, it did have a little bit of, you know, a taste of California to it, but it just didn't have enough to it. It didn't stand out. Right, right. It wasn't until recently that really that park had... Uh, took on a a kind of a a name for its own legs of its own right and so you know when they when the disney company noticed that the attendance goals weren't being met and that the reviews were very negative um, they did try to start incrementally making some changes to it but it wasn't until 2007 when bob Iger at the helm announced plans for major expansion and overhaul of the Park. In fact, he said about Disney California Adventure, and I'm quoting, anytime you do something mediocre with your brand, that's a withdrawal. California Adventure was a brand withdrawal. Mm-hmm. So it was it was good that he recognized that it, it really wasn't fulfilling the expectations the customers would have coming into a Disney park. So in October of 2007, they announced a multi-year $1.1 billion redesign and expansion. Um, If you've been to California Adventure, you know that they don't have lands, they have districts. So um, each district was reimagined and it really, instead of having like a spoof of California, it really romanticized the versions of these areas without throughout the state. And I think you could kind of really relate to that because you have traveled the California mm-hmm. state a lot. Yeah, it, it really did encompass it a, a bit better as they progressed through it, revamping some of the lands, renaming, uh, doing some of the, the, just some creative stuff, even with the landscaping around it, just to make it look more attractive. And then, yes, adding better attractions and more themed areas really improved uh, what is Disney California Adventure Park. Exactly. So like Buena Vista Street uh, is a representation of L.A. as it appeared when Disney moved into that location in the 1920s. So um, after after five years, the park was rededicated and boom, it was hitting the How'd mark. How'd go again? Boom. Yes, that's perfect. <laughs> and that wasn't an earthquake boom. That was excitement We've boom. We've had enough of that out here on the West Coast <laughs> this week, yes. So, in fact, uh, in 2012, when it, uh, the uh, rededication took place, California Advance adventure excuse me reached a record high for the park with a 23% increase from the year before. Nice. Yeah. So, uh, again, on a personal note, Disney California Adventure has become a huge favorite park of mine. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's not as grand as Epcot, but it is definitely charming, and it is definitely a Disney park. 
So now I'm going to let it return to your control so we can talk about our top five. Thank you for allowing me back into <laughs> taking the reins here on this show. I never mind when Michelle takes the reins, though, because it's always interesting. And that was really interesting stuff. And for those of you who don't, haven't been out to Disneyland and haven't seen, well, you know, really what's happened with Disney California Adventure Park and how much it has evolved over the years, mm-hmm. I have a feeling, especially some of these enhancements they've done just over the last uh, little over a decade or so are really going to be part of this five favorite list because that right. they are really what have made this land to be our favorite place at least on the west coast for sure it's that it's just kind of our place to kind of go out and break free and have a little more widespread room to roam and people right. watch and enjoy and it's has some of our are definitely our favorite attractions for sure absolutely and you know Kind of paralleling with Epcot, how they have uh, the different elements of different countries around the world. You know, California Adventure, Disney California Adventure Park has the different styles of the state of California. So like you'll have Pacific Wharf and you'll have like Buena Vista Street and things like that. So there, there are a lot of interesting parallels between Epcot and Disney California Adventure. Again, not as large, not as grandeur but it definitely has a lot of great heart to it. Yes, definitely so. Definitely so. So if you haven't been to Disney California Adventure Park, we highly recommend you do it. Check it out. Uh, You really will enjoy it. And here are the reasons why you will enjoy it. Back to where I was talking about to begin with. Let's get to our five favorite things about Disney California Adventure Park. And again, I'm going to try and go back to this again. Here is Michelle's number five. Thank you, honey. Okay, so my number five is the awesome Marvel character meet and greet opportunities that, that you can have. So like it's like you talked at the beginning about Spider-Man having an area that's going to come up in 2020, but actually Spider-Man is in Ca- mm-hmm. Disney California Adventure along with Captain Marvel and Black Panther. And Captain I, America too. That's right. Mm-hmm. And I know we've mentioned this on the on the show before but we love those characters there we you know we enjoy meeting going along with the meet and greets but we really love watching how they talk to the children that mm-hmm. come also to, to pose with them and get their autographs I mean they really interact so warmly with the kids and make the kids feel happy and appreciated and it's it's always a warm feeling when you watch them interact with kids mm-hmm. kids and adults as well true. Uh, I've been I've interacted with Captain America <laughs> myself true. on many occasions <laughs> we've interacted with Loki when we've had Loki right? out there on an occasion and had some fun with him uh, with Black Panther too we, we've yeah. had some great times out there visiting with some of these many uh, Marvel characters and uh, highly recommended and it is the one of the few places that uh, Disney at Disney that you can interact with with them so, right right know. and we understand why they're not on the East Coast mm-hmm. so we're just again as you mentioned you know some of the things that make California Adventure a real uh, extraordinary place to be here on the West Coast is because of something like this. Yes, very good, very good. So your number five. five is very good. <laughs> My number five goes back to well, we're always hungry when we're recording this show. So some of these are going to be involved around food. And my number five is the Lamplight Lounge, formerly the Cove Bar, now revamped into the Lamplight Lounge, mm-hmm. and uh, it is one of my favorite spots to go grab a cocktail, grab a plate of lobster nachos, mm-hmm. or whatever small plates you might want to be. By the way, the lobster nachos that are at the Lamplight Lounge and are, were at the Cove Bar, 
Disney Dishes, our, our new website, the Disney Dishes blog. We recreated those just last week and we wrote the recipe yeah. out there. So if you haven't seen that already, you should go to the website and check that out. Yeah, it, it is phenomenally delicious. Um, it definitely, when you prepared it and served it up, it was very reminiscent of Lamplight Lounge. Uh, and I know this is our blog, but you wrote that article and, and you did all the description and it was a wonderful explanation and it would help anybody trying to recreate this dish. Yeah, it's not an easy dish to recreate, but I highly recommend it or at least re- uh, recommend doing various portions of it. But enough self-serving talk about our <laughs> other website. Uh, we want to talk about more about the Lamplight Lounge. So the one thing about the Lamplight Lounge is it's themed excellently. There's so much Pixar memorabilia and snapshots and just little knickknacks around that are just fascinating to see. Also, it has some great outside areas to sit and look over Pixar Pier, look over some of the rest of Disney California Adventure Park. It's just wonderfully themed. It has great food, uh, some of the best drinks you will find at any Disney park, right. um, I highly recommend it that you make reservations for. You don't necessarily need to, but if you really want to be sure to hit it up, I highly recommend it. And you're planning a trip to Disney California Adventure Park, making reservations for the Lamplight Lounge. Yeah, absolutely. And, um, you know, you brought up a lot of great, great parts to it. Um, they've also added new the brunch mm-hmm. that they have. Yeah. So um, and we experienced that and we would highly recommend it. It's it's great. And this everybody who's there, all the servers, they're all fun and friendly it's it's and like you said the decor and everything it, it's just so fun it's just so cute yeah it's it's a wonderful wonderful place and that's it goes for both parts of it whether it's the downstairs area where they serve more of the full menu or if you want to go to the upstairs area that's kind of the the bar outside overlooking straight onto pixar pier uh that has more small plates including the lobster nachos and cocktails right. uh, either way uh just just great places to go visit and check it out and even the bathrooms in the lamp oh right yeah are amazing so <laughs> by the way. Uh, So that's my number five. Uh, Let's get to our number four things that we love about Disney California Adventure Park. Michelle's number four. All right. Well, thanks. Um, So mine's kind of a combined rather than an A and B, I guess, um, is the performances at uh, Pixar Pier and Paradise Garden Mm -hmm, Parks. mm -hmm. So at Pixar Pier, they have the Pixarmonic Orchestra. That's not really easy to say. <laughs> they're fun. They're yeah, they fun. are. It's a seven-piece band, and they are a hoot. So, and and first of all, one of the nice things about this, and again, it, it's you know when we talk about the charm of Disney California Adventure, they're not on this big stage and or set apart from you. You're feet from them, and you're sitting on benches, and they're performing, and and um, you know they they play the typical big band instruments you know whether it's a saxophone drums etc but they are super comical they like to include cowbell and we need more cowbell (laughs) always need more cowbell (laughs) you know but don't be surprised if you hear a kazoo or slide whistle coming in there um but they're mesmerizing to watch is the the word i was thinking of they're just a lot a lot of fun and then also very near there is the paradise gardens park and they have the mariachi divas there. Mm-hmm. And one of the things we've always enjoyed watching them and having a bite to eat over there. Uh, I wasn't aware until doing some research is that they're actually Grammy Award winning mariachi they are, group. Yes. So they're fabulous. And it's a real fun way to, you know, stop in the middle of the day, take a rest, get off your feet, get a bite to eat and sit there and be 
totally entertained. Yes, a uh, great spot. They have some really good food there. It shifts from time to time uh, seasonably, depending on uh, if they're having some of their festivals out there. But there really is a lot of great, uh, you know, it's interesting because at Paradise Gardens, you think in the mariachi divas that they'd be more uh, Mexican based or whatever. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it is, but right. a lot of times it's actually more Mediterranean based and you can get some nice uh, kind of uh, euros out there and stuff right, and right. really, really good food, but really enjoyable and just sit there and enjoy the show. And they also have some, uh, there's another place nearby that is Italian food. It's just really, really good spot to go check out rest. It's in shaded usually so you can get out of the sun, out of the heat, yep. uh, just a good spot and great entertainment, great entertainment. Yeah, nice yeah. choice for Michelle's number four. My number four, once again, we're going to go back to food. <laughs> <laughs> because my number four is Flo's V8 Cafe. Yeah. Uh, we love this place so much. Uh, we can talk about just, I, I could just list Carsland as one of my favorite spots in this because uh, it's just top to bottom amazing. One of the first lands that really was immersive, like you feel like you're in the middle of the movie when you're done. When that includes Flo's V8 Cafe, which serves really good country-style food. Mm-hmm. Um, they have some great chicken that we love. We, we'll even pick it up and take it home with us on our way leaving, you know, right. to have for dinner or whatever. Uh, they also have some great ribs. They have really wonderful milkshakes there. Yeah. Uh, we go there for breakfast quite often. They have uh, some great waffles, and they also have this fantastic uh, breakfast tamale that we love. We get it all the time when we're there for breakfast. Just really enjoyable. It's well-themed. There's a great place right outside to sit and watch the Radiator Springs racers go by and people watch at the same time. Mm-hmm. Highly recommend it. It's such a good restaurant. The food is great and the ambiance is special as well. Absolutely. It really does hit the mark for feeling like you're in Cars Land and the food. Every meal that we've had there on every different like breakfast, lunch, or dinner. We've thoroughly loved it. And like you said, having the, you know, you can sit inside and it's kind of like 50s music. They created a backstory for Flo. Mm-hmm. Um, and then outside, as you mentioned, you can sit there and watch the racers and people watch. And it's just a fun atmosphere yeah, to be around. Just a really great place. Quick service, uh, but really good food and totally enjoyable spot to just sit and watch people watch and watch the attractions. It's, and the backdrop for Radiator Springs Racers is amazing. If you, I'm sure you've seen pictures of it somewhere online, but it really to experience it in person, it's it's something else. Right. And you get a great view of it from flows. So. And your description about you know getting the tamale is funny because when the day that we had the brunch reservations, it was like, oh man, it's great that we're going to have brunch over at the Lamplight, but we're really missing our tamale. Every tamale, <laughs> yeah, that's right. So. Anyway, that is my number four pick. Let's get to our number three things we love about Disney California Adventure Park and Michelle's number three. Uh, So my number three is the world of color. Ah, that's my number one. Oh, sorry. That's all right. That's all right. It's worthy of being on both our (laughs) lists for sure. Right. So um, this is a really unique show that they have uh, nightly at Disney California Adventure. Obviously, it involves water um and it's you know if you it's not like the bellagio so like if you think of the bellagio it's not a a water show in that regards there are some water sprays and kind of fountain-like activities but the majority of it is that it is having projections of film clips etc um that are on there and it's just amazing to see them be able to be so vivid just projected onto water and yeah. it you know it's just and, and you know you get all the 
the warm and tingly feelings of the really loving clips that they have from their Disney movies. Yeah, it's it's really well done. It's probably the one reason why I would have had it as number one is it because it's I, I think it's my favorite nighttime spectacular of all the parks. You know, it's I happily ever after. I love Star Wars Galactic Spectacular. I love as well, but there's just something about World of Color to me. It's so simple, but so awesome to watch at the same time they have like you said these sheets of water that they project these scenes from all these different Disney and Pixar films meanwhile in the background you have the uh, the Pixar Palorama which is of oh, course the right. Mickey wheel that you know very well as well as the Incredicoaster and that's all back there all of Pixar Pier and that is plays a part in it as well uh, it goes everything they shoot uh, jets of water a hundred plus feet in the air at times they, there are scenes where they are firing it that like, yeah. fire I mean like you <laughs> feel it it is yeah, it's Major, really, major flames. It's exciting. <laughs> it's fun. It's heart wrenching. It's it's gorgeous. It's just one of the best shows you will ever witness anywhere. Yes, and what's really nice is they do have some seasonal. So, like they have the mm-hmm. Christmas uh, version of that, and coming new this year with the Oogie Boogie Bash, yeah. they're going to also have a Halloween theme one, which we're super excited to be right. able to look forward to trying to figure out how we're going to go check that one out as well but yeah that's that's why it's your number three yeah and that's why it's my number one favorite thing about disney california adventure park let's get to my number three and that is i just mentioned it a little bit ago my number three is the radiator springs racers and part of that is because yes it's a great attraction if you know test track at walt disney world okay it's kind of like test track only a lot better yeah the theming (laughs) is a lot better it's half dark ride half thrill ride thrill ride in you know quotations it's not thrill thrill but you know it's excitement it goes fast it's fun but you know the the theming is really great based on cars itself it has tells its own little storyline in there you get to see some fun parts of it you race against another car it has uh and and then just the backdrop i talked about just a little bit ago with flo's uh v8 cafe and what great sites it is the land itself that it goes through is just so spectacular to see and so you you can hardly believe this is taking it actually it's a really small space but it looks like super expansive it's amazing uh the the force perspective they did in that area i was just gonna say that i mean i know disney has had great experience with force perspective but i think this is their pinnacle of use of space and having that force perspective make you feel like you're in this vast area yeah you know and you know i i agree with you that's a awesome ride um so i'm gonna i'm gonna compare it to something that's really quirky but i'll i'll compare it kind of like to the winnie the pooh adventure at walt disney world magic kingdom that kind of takes you through the storyline there Mm -hmm. and and this does the same thing for cars the movie cars it takes you through that whole storyline and you get to see you know, audio animatronics and like you said, it's part dark ride, part thrill ride. You know, you are in a racer. You get to see your car being juiced up for the race, et cetera. So it's a lot of it's it, they really have been very creative at that. Yeah, that, it's that a, uh, attraction. Yeah, it's really one of the best. There's a reason why uh, the fast passes usually uh, go away early on in the day. There's a reason why there's usually a pretty long wait right. for that attraction, because it is one of the best attractions at the. Disneyland Resort, uh, it's it's just a lot of fun, and it's good for a lot of different ages, too. So right. 
highly recommend it, and that's why it is my number three. Let's get to Michelle's number two thing she loves about Disney <laughs> California Adventure Park. Well, this one is kind of a broad uh, topic, too, is the fun-themed food and spirits. Mm. Not just food, but mm-hmm. food and spirits yes. locations there. And you mentioned one of them, which was Lamplight Lounge. Um, the other one that we really liked, that, and, and I put it as my number two, was uh, the Afresco Tasting Room. That's my number two as well. Oh, wow. <coughs> Yay. Yay. <laughs> um, so, you know, here it, it, it's very reminiscent of wine country. And as we mentioned before, Disney California Adventure Park is really trying to to promote the themes of California. Um, but actually that you're you're sitting underneath trellises that are covered in grapevines, you know, so it really brings in that whole feel. But you're overlooking Disney California Adventure Park. So you get to see, you know, um, Mater's Junkyard Jamboree and hear the sounds of that. At Christmas time, you get to hear some of the other, um, you know, performances that are going on there. It's just so fun to be there. And they feature wines that are associated with the Disney company, you know, like Fess Parker Winery, which Fess Parker played Davy Crockett. And they have McMurray and Silverado. And Silverado, it's actually the winery that... uh, was owned by Walt's uh, daughter, Diane Disney. Diane Disney. Yes. So um, it's just a great place to get some small plates, to appreciate some of these Disney family wines and have a breather and overlook a really fun park. Yeah, and that's the thing I love about it is it's kind of a hidden gem. It's right by the Wine Country Trattoria and there's this upstairs place. If you've ever been there, or you'll see these stairs going up a lot of times during the day. There'll be a sign there and says, you know, it's not open right now. But usually, it used to be at two, I think. Now it's at noon. They open it up and you just walk up these stairs and they have just a few tables out there under these trellises like you talked about. And uh, it's just kind of a way to take a step away from the park right. while still being in the park you still can do a little people watching you can still hear some of these sounds of the park yes. every once in a while but you also feel like you're kind of just took a step away from it and took a breather on the day and you're sitting there having a nice glass of wine having a nice cocktail a craft beer whatever it may be some nice small plates right. to share with people the food I have, I'll be honest with you the food used to be a little better they've changed the menu a little bit it's not quite as good but it's still pretty good and I still like a a lot of the food there very right. much but uh, you can go get wine flights you can get a bottle whatever you like they have couches there if you have a bigger larger group that wants to sit around it's just an enjoyable stop and it's one of the places we go to almost every time we're there right right it's it's outside so it's open air um and it's really you could easily walk by and not notice that it was there. Like you said, you have to look for that staircase to go up. But I think it's, it it isn't one of the more popular locations. Uh, it doesn't take reservations. Um, but it, it is a really special place to, to, like you said, stop and still be a part of the park, but be kind of taking a break from it all. You know, and there's, uh, you know, other food places that are also fun, like the Pacific Wharf area and has all the different types of food over there that you can associate with California that uh, are is also a lot of fun. It's just a really, um, I'm trying to think of the word. I mean, I keep saying fun. It's very entertaining. Mm-hmm. It's just not your everyday go and grab a bite to eat. Right. 
No, absolutely, for sure. I totally agree with you on that. So that was my number two as well as Michelle's number two. Of course, my number one we already talked about, which was Michelle's, I think, number three, which was the world of color. Right. So we're going to finish it up as he should, <laughs> as he took over this list to begin with anyway. Man. So we're going to finish up with, as we should, Michelle's number one thing she loves about Disney California Adventure Park. And you actually kind of touched on it, but my number one thing is Cars Land, just Cars Land in general. When you walk into that area, you feel like you are there in Radiator Springs. And I know similarly over at um, Disney Hollywood Studios, you have Toy Story Land. And yes, you do kind of feel, get that same sense of you're in, you know, a toy box in Andy's bedroom. But this you feel like you're part of that movie. You feel like you're in there. You look down and, and on your left and on your right, everything fits the same perspective that you see when you're watching the movie Cars and you're looking at Radiator Springs. Mm-hmm. And it is the most immersive experience that I've ever had at any of the Disney parks. Yeah, it really was the start of when Disney decided to really move to where they're making these new lands extremely immersive. It re- Cars Land was, I think, they're really where they kicked it off. And they did that with, of course, Pandora as well. They did it with Toy Story Land. now, And they've taken it to another level with, with Galaxy's Edge, right. of course. But it, it really is amazing. It, it is like you stepped right into a movie. And it really is what... You know, we Michelle gave the history of <clears throat> Disney California Adventure Park. Excuse me, there, Disney California Adventure Park, and how it kind of was scuffling to begin with. Well, the opening of Cars Land is where it turned the corner completely because yes. it just it, the one all the attractions there are magnificent. They're fun. Uh, one of the, the Luigi's Rollick and Roadsters nearly made my list. Yeah, because me too. <laughs> it's such a fun attraction. It's a it, what it is. It's a it's a trackless uh, ride where you go on and. And they have the cars. There are uh, they are Luigi and Guido's family cousins, cousins from yes. Carsley <laughs> that have come, and they're having a celebration and they're dancing to these songs, and it's just fun. It's just a lot of fun. And then, of course, there's uh, Mater's Junkyard Jamboree, which if you've been on Alien Swirling Saucers at Toy Story Land, Mater's Junkyard Jamboree is better it's all right it's just it's, a little bit better than that but yeah. just mainly just the theming of the whole land it's perfect it's great uh could have been on my list i just didn't uh, just chose pieces out of cars land right. but I, I agree with michelle that cars land definitely deserves to be number one right i mean they're they are so creative i mean you go and you know, the cozy cone is there and they have all the little individual cones which they use as you know little snack shops right. and then they have sarge's place there and you you know it's very hippie looking at fillmore's and um we have a lot of fruit and stuff yeah. Think, you know, yeah. <laughs> and beads and things like that hanging and um you know they have docks medic location and uh, like you mentioned flows i mean like i said you stand at the edge of the end entrance of cars land and you look down that street and you're just like wow and if you're there at the right time of night when they light up all oh, the neon yeah. Uh, just transforms the area completely. And, you know, we haven't even talked about how they uh, approached it seasonally recently where, you know, for True. Halloween, they totally decked the place out in car parts to make things look like uh, like Halloween it's decorations. Amazing. Or when you get to the holiday season during Christmas time and such, uh, the way they deck it out to look very holiday style. It's it's amazing what they've done to 
create this land. They make it look like cars have actually decorated this land. Right, it's really right. With, with pieces and, mm-hmm. you know, and tools and things like that. And you'd be amazed what they can do <laughs> right. with those. Yeah. It's just it's, amazing. It's really impressive and a lot of fun. And even for Halloween, even the, the, uh, the various residents of, Radiator True. Springs get Getting, decked out. They get right. they wear their own costumes and everything yes. for uh, photo opportunities and everything. It's really great. So I agree with you in many regards. Yes, World of Color was my number one, but if you wanted to look at it overall, uh, Cars Land is a definitely worthy number one favorite right. thing we love about Disney California Adventure Park. Absolutely. And like you said, that some of the, those attractions that are also unique to Disney California Adventure, such as Luigi's and and even though, as you mentioned, um, Mater's John Junkyard Jamboree is better. It's similar to, you know, uh, at, at Toy Story Land, but it's it it just it. I don't know. I don't know how to describe it. I think because of the immersiveness of it, it just feels so much more um, entertaining. Yeah, it's just it, it's a great place, and uh, it's the one. It'll be one of your highlights when you if you've never been to Disneyland Park or if you haven't been in a long time, once you finally get out there to get out to the Disneyland Resort, to get out to Disney California Adventure Park, uh, you will love Cars Land. I haven't found anybody who hasn't right. to this point yet. So Absolutely. So those are our five favorite things we love about Disney California Adventure Park. We'd love if you've experienced it recently or even it's been a little while, we'd love to hear what your favorite things are. Please contact us on social media or through email and share it and we'll share it on our next episode. Absolutely. And they... What's exciting is they keep continuing to make it better. So they have some new attractions that started this summer and some things coming out. Uh, Jesse's Critter Carousel, which Mm -hmm. is adorable Mm -hmm. uh, and recently opened is the Inside Out Emotional Whirlwind. Mm -hmm. Um, Kind of completing the Pixar Pier area. yeah, Right. Uh, The Tale of the Lion King show. Mm -hmm. um, And then what we've talked about recently that we're super thrilled about right now is returning for a, a, a short engagement is soaring over California. Yeah, I'm so glad we were out to go, go on that again. And I was glad to hear they extended it for a little bit longer. So we may have a chance to experience it again before they close it out. Exactly. So, so anyway, like I said, that was our list. We'd love to hear what your list was. Let's move on to our second main topic. And yes, we did see Spider-Man Far From Home. We saw it on Wednesday night. Hopefully many of you have seen it by this point. If you haven't, well, I'm going to just spoil this right now. You should. I'm not, I'm not a spoiler, <laughs> but you should. I'm going to spoil our review a little bit. You should go see this movie because I think Michelle would agree. It's fantastic. It really is. And and I wasn't sure whether to you know, set the bar high or low um, and just went. It was very enjoyable to watch. Love love the character Spider-Man and all the, you know, the team that is around him. And it it really was an amazing finale to, what is it, the MCU phase, phase three. three. <laughs> um, you know, I mean, obviously it had the spoiler from um, Avengers Endgame, but I think even if you hadn't seen Avengers Endgame, this still was a great standalone yeah uh well i definitely there are parts of this that you'll need to know from avengers endgame if you haven't seen avengers endgame going into this uh, it really will help you kind of know sure. what's happening in this 
But uh, it is a great standalone film by as well, by itself. Standalone by itself, yes. Uh, <laughs> it, it, Tom Holland, again, uh, when they chose him, when they cast him to play Spider-Man, they couldn't have done better. He is the perfect Spider-Man for the age he's playing, kind of that uh, teenager who's a little awkward, yet he's a superhero at the same time. Right. He's just trying to find his spot in the world. Uh, this movie plays out a little differently than the uh, than uh, Spider-Man Homecoming and the fact that in Spider-Man Homecoming, all he wanted to do was be kind of this bigger role, right. to be an Avenger or whatever. Now it's more like all he wants to do is, you know, be a teenager right. and tell the girl he, he likes that, you know, how, how he feels about her exactly. and stuff. So. Uh, totally change of heart. It's a love story at heart, even though there is plenty of action and adventure that yep. goes through. There are lots of twists and turns that go on throughout this and into the credits, by the way. Um, it's There's the usual Marvel humor they would expect, right. especially from a Spider-Man movie. And yes, uh, they've said originally this was the close of phase three. It felt more like the beginning of phase four to me. Either way, if right. you want to call it a phase 3.5, <laughs> I don't know. But there was a baton being passed within this. And I think it's a, it was really interesting to watch. Right. Absolutely. And like you said, we don't want to give spoilers away, but you definitely will want to stay throughout the credits because some really interesting twist uh, revealed there. Um but yeah, it, it, it was, it had a different feel from the first Spider-Man uh, in terms of what they were doing and his motivations. Um, it really focused a little bit more on the interactions of, you know, him and his classmates and, you know, how they, how they were coming together for a trip away from home, far from home. And, and like you said, what he was trying to do in terms of just kind of hooking up with the girl that he really likes. <laughs> <Hooking> <laughs> uh, the cast is great. Jake Gyllenhaal plays Mysterio. He's excellent. Uh, of course, uh, you know, the rest of the group, most of the group you knew from Spider-Man Homecoming is back and they all play fantastic roles. Really enjoy it. And if you haven't seen it yet, please go out and see it. It, it is really great. And it's a, a great follow up one to, yes, Spider-Man Homecoming, but two to Avengers Endgame as well. I think it uh, gets us set up neatly for what's to come. We don't exactly know the order yet of what they're going mm-hmm. to be doing in uh, phase four officially. I think we're going to find out a lot more here in about a six weeks as we get to the D23 Expo, maybe a little bit more, even just in a couple weeks at Comic-Con because Marvel's doing, has going to have a presence out there as well. But we're going to find out a lot more of, of what's to, to come with the Marvel Cinematic Universe and some of it, some of the groundwork was kind of laid in this film. Absolutely. So go on and check it out. We'd love to hear what you thought about Spider-Man Far From Home as well. Yes. And then maybe in a future episode we can give spoilers. Maybe so. We'll see what we do with that. But let's get to our Disney stories of the week. We never go a show. Well, we rarely go a show anyway <laughs> without, you know, going of going over the Disney news of the week. There's always so many stories out there. This week, actually, because I think of the 4th of July holiday, a little slower than others, but we'd always come out with some kind of story. Yes. 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 You look like you were ready to say something profound. No, I'm <laughs> waiting to, I'm <laughs> pins and needles to hear these stories. <laughs> so I'm going I'm to start out with what ended up being the, probably the biggest and most interesting talking point of the week. And that is that Walt Disney Studios announced who will be playing Ariel in the yeah. upcoming live action Little Mermaid. This from Variety.com. 
Chloe X Hallie. I hope I've got that right. I don't know if it's Chloe by Hallie, Chloe X Hallie, Chloe times Hallie. I don't know yeah, what it is. I don't, I don't know. know the group, <laughs> but um, somewhere around there, hopefully I've got one of those names right. Anyway, uh, the member, her, that member of that band, Hallie Bailey, is ready to become a part of Disney's world. The R&B singer has been tapped to play Ariel in Disney's next live action adaption of The Little Mermaid. Although uh, director Rob Marshall has spent the last couple of months meeting with talent, insiders say Bailey has been the clear front runner from the beginning. Here's a quote from Rob Marshall. Quote, after an extensive search, it was abundantly clear that Hallie possesses the rare combination of spirit, heart, youth, innocence, and substance, plus a glorious singing voice, all intrinsic qualities necessary to play this iconic role. It was an interesting choice. Uh, boy, social media blew up with this choice. Right. I, I, from what I understand, and I don't know, again, obviously, but the fact that I couldn't give you the name of the group that she sings in, <laughs> from what I understand, she has an outstanding voice. And if that's the case, I think it's going to be a wonderful selection for this role. Absolutely. And, you know, I, I think more and more seeing diversity in in films and movies uh, well i guess films and movies the same thing i was thinking <laughs> plays, films television whatever television, maybe, yes. plays things like that um, you know really make make our world richer and i think this is going to be a wonderful experience for a lot of people to see you know uh, uh, ariel in this light yeah well, this will be her first film that she'll be doing it's her film debut so it'll be interesting to see one thing about some of these live action films that disney has produced especially the ones that are musicals is that sometimes they've let the singer go by for either the bigger name or mm-hmm. more of an actor okay well this time it appears they're like look it's it's ariel the big thing about her is her wonderful voice. We're going to go with voice first. Now, it'll be interesting to see how she is able to pull off the role as an actress as well. But yeah. I'm excited about it. I'm glad that music is such a big part of The Little Mermaid. Right. I am glad that they're going to have somebody who can sing playing yes. Ariel. I mean, I know they were animated move, movies, but, you know, we saw extreme talent in singers with both Coco and Moana. And I think they made the films very, very uh, outstanding Mm -hmm. with their singing voices. And so I think that's great that they're, you know, focusing on Ariel. I mean, again, the whole thing about her voice and losing her voice, she's got to sing. Right. Exactly. (laughs) Totally agree with that. Uh, You know, and also the other thing about, yes, Rob Marshall, who's done wonderful things. Uh, both in and out of Disney. Uh, he's being, you know, the people doing the music in this are, of course, Alan Menken, who wrote the music for the original Little Mermaid. And, of course, Lin-Manuel Miranda. <laughs> so if Lin-Manuel Miranda says that Halle Bailey is perfect for this role, in Lynn we trust. I am going to believe it. I am looking forward to seeing what the outcome is of this. Absolutely. So that is great news and I'm excited to see. And we'll probably get a little bit of taste of that, I would imagine, at the D23 Expo as well coming up here in about six weeks. So moving on, and we're talking about another Disney live action film. Just today in the Women's World Cup match, we saw the first trailer for the live action Mulan. Holy cow. Yes, right? That was fierce. Right? <laughs> Mulan looked like a superhero out there, which is kind of what you want from Mulan. Yeah. It was amazing looking. It looked very 
uh, grand in scale yet intimate. I, I, I just loved the way that and it's just a trailer, right. but I was excited when I watched that. It was a, it was a wow for me. Right. Agreed. I mean, it really showed that it had captured a lot of the scenery from the original animated classic of, of Mulan, you know, and it, I, I was shocked when I saw her running on the rooftop. And I was like, oh my gosh, they got it all. Right. <laughs> so it's going to be fascinating to see how this turns out. And again, another thing we'll probably see more of at the D23 Expo. But right. uh, very excited after seeing that first trailer uh, today while in the middle of the Women's World Cup match. Let's move on to some park news. And we're going to start on the East Coast at. Uh, at uh, the Walt Disney World Resort and uh, specifically at Epcot because we now have information about this year's holiday festival at Epcot and we found out a few more of this year's candlelight processional narrators and what their schedule will be. So the new list, of course, uh, includes some of the returning favorites that do these almost every year. Let's get to this from the Disney Parks blog. Uh, The holiday season is in the most wonderful time of the year and when it comes, uh, the return of Epcot Internet and with it, excuse me, return... Take two. <laughs> and with it comes the return of Epcot International Festival of the Holidays. The special event will run from November 29th through December 30th, inviting you and your family to discover holiday cheer throughout Epcot and across all 11 World Showcase pavilions. Uh, seasonal fun includes sweet and savory treats at holiday kitchens throughout the park and special entertainment such as, of course, the guest favorite candlelight processional so that of course is held at america gardens theater the candlelight processional is a cherished part of the walt disney world holiday season combining the talents of a live orchestra masked choir and celebrity narrator in the retelling of the traditional christmas story in a spectacular and heartwarming performance and yes it is all of that if you're going to be out for the holiday season you should definitely book a time to go see the candlelight processional absolutely you, you can do it by doing uh, a dining package they have some breakfast some lunch some dinner ones um you, you actually could see the performance without that but you'd have to be willing to really invest a lot of time in standing in a line a standby line uh very early on so you know the better way the better option for you to make sure you're going to get in there is to you know book a dining package you can do it all online um and there's a lot of like i mentioned a lot of variety even some of the things that are not in the park right so some of the restaurants are outside yeah, like of the in park. the boardwalk area and right. such. Uh, yeah lots of different places you can take advantage of that and reservations for that are now open here's the lineup that we have so far we don't have all of the narrators for the candlelight processional but here's some of the key ones that were come out this week uh the everybody's favorite neil patrick harris mm-hmm will be there from December 2nd through December 5th. Whoopi Goldberg will be there December 6th and 7th. Gary Sinise will be there uh, December 13th uh, through the 15th. Pat Sajak, <laughs> like to buy a vowel, Pat, uh, will be for there for the 16th through the 18th. 18th. Uh, Stephen Curtis Chapman, who is a kind of a, uh, a religious singer, a gospel mm-hmm. type singer, um, he will be there from the 22nd through Christmas Eve, the 24th. And another great one, Edward James Olmos yes. will be there Christmas Day and the day after Christmas. There's still some gaps to be filled there. We will let you know as we see the other names that uh, come out. But exciting stuff. And there's some dates that we're going to be there that we're looking forward to seeing who might be yes. filling in that mm. role because we'll probably be going out during that time so exciting stuff it is exciting and the candlelight processional as i said if you're going out for the holiday season it's a great 
part of the holiday season. You definitely, religious or not, what right. you are, it's just a wonderful experience and one that everybody should check out. Yeah, and it's great how they incorporate, you know, you know, schools from local schools from the area to, to participate in this. So it's it's kind of gets it all. Mm-hmm. It does. Yes. Definitely hits it all. Uh, really, really good stuff. So uh, we'll stay at the Walt Disney World Resort and there's some brand new transportation coming to the Walt <laughs> Disney World Resort and they are some really good looking buses. Yeah. Again, this from the Disney Parks blog. This month, Walt Disney World busters are taking on a new look adorned with the sensational six. That's Mickey, (laughs) Minnie, Donald, Daisy, Goofy, and Pluto. They posted some pictures on the Disney Parks blog. They look fantastic. Yeah, they're adorable. Yeah. Yeah. All shaded to whichever character they made. They have polka dots for Minnie. They have some pastel colors for like Daisy. They're yellow for Pluto. Right. Really, really good looking stuff. Really fun. And you know, when you're at a resort waiting for a bus to pick you up to take you to one of the parks, you know, what better way to to really appreciate the whole thing is when you see that one of those buses come out that is highly decorated like that. And even better news about these buses is that a lot of them were going to begin having USB charging ports uh, located on those buses. So as your phone or tablet or whatever it may be is running out of charge, you can now charge it up while you're transporting either to or from the parks or to wherever you're going because uh, there is that they're going to start having these on these brand new buses. Hopefully, they'll be starting to add them to some of the older buses cool. as well. So that's great news. So good stuff. Uh, now I want to get to an interesting list that I found online uh, that has to do with the most streamed Disney songs of all time. Essentially, since streaming has come out, these are the most popular Disney songs. <laughs> wow. Uh, there was a website that was called playlikemum.com that went to Spotify and just kind of went through and went through all these different Disney songs and by how many times they were individually streamed. They came out with a top 50. I'm not going to give you the whole 50, <laughs> but I am going to give you the top 10. Nice. Some of your favorites and some of the many songs you've streamed online, uh, they pop up on this list. So uh, here it is again, analyzed from Spotify by playlikemum.com. It's also popped up on some other sites on the web as well. But number 10 is... Under the Sea from Little Mermaid. <laughs> of course. It has been streamed 110 million times. Wow. Yes. But That's that, serious. That streaming. is not even close to number one. I'm going to tell you right now. Wow. Number one blows everything's doors off. Oh you, my gosh. You okay. might have an idea what song that might be. But uh, let's go through the rest of this list. Number nine is Love is an Open Door by uh, from Frozen with 114 million plays. Okay. Number eight is Try Everything from Zootopia. That is 119 million plays. Wow. One of our favorite songs. Yeah. On our running run list. list. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I don't think they, they count that because we, we do those. We have our own copy of it. So we don't get, they don't get right. to be added into that. But we've probably played it 118 million times. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, number seven is A Whole New World from Aladdin with 122 million plays. Wow. Yeah. Number six is You'll Be In My Heart from Tarzan with 132 million plays. Nice. Yeah. Uh, number five is Beauty and the Beast from, of course, Beauty and the Beast. Uh, 149 million plays. Okay. Number four is Life is a Highway from Cars <laughs> with 153 million plays. I think that gets a little extra play because it's not just a Cars song. I mean, right. It's a pretty popular song exactly. in general, so that gets a few extra plays. Number three is from Moana. It is You're Welcome. 
with 181 million plays. This oh, is wow. where they really jump up. Number yeah. two is also from Moana. It's How Far I'll Go with 205 million plays. Do you have a guess at number one, Michelle? Well, I, I was thinking really traditional when you first started your list, something like Wish Upon a Star, but now I'm thinking it's probably not that. Um, so I can't think of anything that I would say would be the number one for sure. Okay, well, second place had 205 million plays. Number one blows that away with 298 wow. million plays. The number one stream song, Disney stream song of all time is... Let it go. <laughs> of Let course. Go. Why didn't From I think? Frozen, of course. <laughs> of course. Why yes. didn't I think of that? Not a surprise, I think. Yeah, that, that absolutely. That is the number one stream song, especially more modernly, that's very popular and... Uh, it just uh, very interesting that that was the number one on the list, but it's just a very uh, interesting list. If you, I, I'd say you should go to that web. It's been uh, connected by some other websites. You can probably find it if you just do a Google search for it for the uh, most streamed Disney songs of all time. But the actual website that did the homework on it, if you want to give them some love, is playlikemom.com, and they have the whole top 50 by wow. how many plays there are and it's a really interesting list so go check it out yeah that makes sense especially that number one you know it appeals to everybody and you know i can see a lot of kids enjoying that and and me yes i probably played it like i probably got it the 98 million times out of that 298 million doing my jazz hands along the way right we were just actually we we're outside sitting earlier this week just having a glass of wine sitting outside and it happened to come on with I remember one site we were streaming, yeah. and I had to, of course, act it all out because Fine I job. am a 12 year old girl at heart. So, yeah. I don't know why I didn't video it. It was, so it was awesome. And I can't wait for the VR experience right? at the 23 Expo so I can act it out in front of everybody and oh, everybody can leave the floor immediately because they will not want any part of that. Oh, God. That's our Disney stories of the week. Ah, Michelle I has have, a Disney story. I just have yes. one, just kind of announcement that uh, the Disney. Grand California Hotel has a new bar and grill opening oh, up soon. That's exciting. Yeah, so it's it's called GCH for Grand California Hotel, mm. I assume. <laughs> uh, Craftsman Bar and Grill. And uh, it's going to be located by the pool at the Grand Californian Hotel and Spa. And let me tell you, if you, again, you go to the Disney Parks blog, the food that they're going to be serving looks just amazing. It's really, you know, it's got a lot of unique uh, ingredients and flavors to it, you know, and I, I don't want to go through all of them, but they did have um, some things that were just like, you've got to be kidding. This is amazing. Like uh, they are, they're going to have a main lobster quesadilla with Monterey Jack and queso fresco. And they're going to have a vegetarian option that is a popular avocado toast or black truffle charred California grilled cheese sandwich. Mm, sounds right. good. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Sounds delicious. So um, anyways, it's something to look forward to. Uh, they they didn't announce a date. Um, there's some rumors that they might be doing some soft openings in the next few days. I don't know that for a fact, but 
looks like a, a great place to try out. Another great eating experience at Disney California, mm-hmm. uh, excuse me, the Grand California Disney uh, California Adventure Park, that's the Disneyland Resort, is a wonderful hotel. Uh, really, if you know kind of the Wilderness Lodge, if you think of that, it's kind of that, only a little smaller. Much smaller. Yeah. Much smaller. But it does have a lot of that architecture, and it, it does have its own entrance right into Disney California Adventure Park, which is nice, but it's really, really a great hotel. If you get a chance to stay there, we highly recommend it. It is a bit pricey. Yes. Know that going in and uh, it can be a little tough for those vacation club members like us to get spots because they don't have a lot of rooms and it is the only vacation club spot on the West Coast. But if you can jump on it when you get the opportunity to do because it is a really, really wonderful hotel. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, that's exciting news. Another place to eat. Excited about that. So that wraps up our Disney stories of the week. But we never leave you any day. We do a show without giving you some sort of vacation tip, some sort of tip that might help you on your next vacation to Walt Disney World, to Disneyland Resort, sometimes even uh, Disneyland Paris, a Disney Cruise, Run Disney. We try and help you out in various different ways. And we always start with Michelle, one, because she is gorgeous and wonderful (laughs) and all things there are good, but also because she has the very, very best tip. So let's get to it. Here is Michelle's tip of the week. (laughs) Thank you, sweetie. Uh, so I'm actually going to give two tiny tips, but they relate tiny to tips. two tiny tips, but they relate to California Adventure Park. Um, so one of them we actually have talked about previously in a show, and that's uh, in terms of fast passes. So over here on the West Coast, fast passes act a little differently than they do on the East Coast. Mm-hmm. You, you, you're not reserving them in advance. You don't get to actually um, obtain fast passes until after you've gone through the uh, entrance turnstiles. But anyways, here's our recommendation for California Adventure Park. If you can get there for rope drop and, and you have a party of more than one, especially, the best thing to do is have somebody get your passes to go over and get fast passes for the racers as soon as rope drop happens, whereas the rest of your party can go over to Midway Mania and then you can meet up there and you'll actually get to probably do Midway Mania at least two or three times before it gets really, really busy. And then you'll already have secured your fast pass for the racers. So that's one tip that we would recommend. The other one is related to the world of color. And we recently talked about how we were in the we did the dessert package there. So uh, recommendations for that, which we would recommend, A, that you do the dessert package at least once. It's a really nice experience. Um, Get there a little bit ahead of time because they seat you in order of where you are in the lineup there. Um, They do recommend, and we took their recommendation to heart, and it worked, is getting seated in the high chair areas Mm -hmm. because they do have both high and low. The only thing that we would recommend is um, ask that you not be seated at the end of the row because at the end of that row is a walkway that is constantly being <laughs> I was surprised being, at how much it was yeah, being used being yeah. used throughout the show and it's very distracting you you know you you're getting people talking really loud as they're they're trying to go towards or away from a fast pass location area for the world of color and so that would be the recommendation is use you know, use the high chair area if those are still available when you're being seated, but ask that you not be seated at the end of the row. Right. I agree with that completely. And yes, the uh, the dessert package has both savory and sweet uh, mm-hmm. items in it, and they do have some, uh, they have 
uh, some sparkling wine and they do have some beers available for right. uh, and then they have of course have some they have you like the hot chocolate a lot oh right? the hot chocolate's chocolate really great, good but yeah so they have some non-alcoholic of course uh but it, it is great as far as uh checking in there yes uh when you go in at rope drop or anywhere near rope drop uh, definitely get if you want to do the racers get that early if you have max pass it's even easier for you you can do it right on your device right. you know um and then you go to yes have another person go to whatever whether midway mania whether it's mission breakout right. um whatever you, you know, think that you really want to go on of course now right now it's very popular with it soaring, being soaring over california True. soaring is pretty popular right now so you may want to hit that up early as well and the good thing is that recently it, because of there's been some issues with uh, a lot of blackouts for annual passes and such it's a lot easier especially early on to get on some of these attractions so you have a, a little bit more ability we'll see how that goes once right. the blackout period uh ends as we get near the end of summer but uh uh, plenty of opportunities to go do a lot of attractions early on if you do it the right way at Disney California Adventure Park. So <laughs> Michelle's tips, always the best tip. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> My tip, definitely a lesser tip, but I want to talk about a little bit about, uh, see, I, we have another friend's show, good close friends of ours, that is called the Monday Morning Monorail Podcast. And if you happen to catch their show this week, there's something very interesting they've discussed. And I highly recommend you go check out, one, their show regularly, but also this most recent episode, Samantha Monorail, uh, received a survey from uh, Epcot. And it was in regards to uh, what was possibly the future of Epcot and the questions involved around uh, figment for one is like, you know, do you know figment, you know, and the other was about uh, the seas with Nemo and friends. And I think there's been a lot of speculation recently about some of the areas around there, what they might be changing, uh, what might happen in the future. And, you know, the survey was very interesting, whether anything comes from it, you never know. But I want to talk about the surveys in general because of this. And that is the fact that oftentimes when you go to Disney parks, you'll have some just come up to you really quickly and ask if you're willing to take part in a survey. Now, this may seem really troublesome for your time at the parks, but it really isn't. It takes very little time. They know that your time at the parks, your vacation time is very valuable. They don't want to take up a lot of that time. So they'll just quickly ask you if you're willing to do it. They'll just ask you for an email address. They'll verify it with you and then they'll send you on your way. And then later on, you will receive that. So they won't take up a lot of your time. It's worth it to just Take a second, give them your email address. They're not going to use it for anything else. It's just for this survey and uh, take part in this. So once you get home, you'll get this email. And this is sometimes it's because of this. Sometimes it's from your resort stay. Sometimes it's from a Disney cruise stay or uh, Disney cruise or, or whatever. But it's very important to actually go through and do some of these surveys because there are reasons they do these. Disney really wants to know what people think about uh, various things that are happening, whether it be the service and food, whether it be the customer service, whether it be some of your favorite attractions, some of your favorite characters, character experiences, some of the land, and they're really taking this to heart. They want to know what people think, and they and sometimes it could be crucial. Now, we just talked about Figment. A lot of people love Figment. I don't know if anything is going to happen with Figment, but if you have a feeling one way or the other about Figment and you know the journey into imagination, you may want to respond to that in one way or the other. Same with the, the Seas with Nemo and Friends. If you have a feeling on that one way or the other, you may want to respond to that, and that's just this is just one aspect of it. There are several things that they talk about. I think the surveys are very important. I think Disney does take them to heart more often than not. And I think it only takes a few minutes out of your time to make help Disney shape these parks into what you want them to be. So that's my tip. If you have the chance to take a survey for Disney, 
do it. That's an excellent tip. And, you know, a, a couple things is um, they do have time limits on that. So when you get the email, take it because I, I've done it sometimes and have gone back. I said, oh, I'll get to it later. And it was too late. Um, but like you're saying, Disney is taking things to heart to hear what the guests are saying. And we've seen that recently when we've when we went to the first time that we went to Galaxy's Edge to the second time, how much had changed by getting people's feedback and it changed for the better. And, you know, what what they did recently with the um, movie theater at Disneyland Resort where, you know, people were giving feedback about what they weren't thrilled in terms of some of the changes. And so they, they reverted back. So it's great that it's the company that is listening to their customers. And, and like you said, that's a great tip. If you get an opportunity to take a survey um go for it and you know let your let your word be heard yeah exactly how you feel about these things it, it could be very important uh so take the time it doesn't take very long out of your day it definitely doesn't take very long when you're at the parks themselves but when even when you get home it doesn't take very long to just you know have your voice be heard take the survey and you know let disney know what you're thinking and i, I think that would help them greatly and you know if, if, if more people do it uh the less they'll be disappointed with with things that happen or the more they'll be excited about things that are to come. So uh, thank you. Thank you. So that's it for this week. Next week, I think, you know, we're getting close and we've mentioned it a few times already on this episode. We are coming up on the D23 Expo. So we are next week. Not sure how we're going to, what we're going to do about the D23 Expo, but we're going to start getting you prepared for the D23 Expo by talking a little bit about it. If you're heading out there, even if you're just going to be experiencing it from afar through social media or by listening to our special episodes that we're going to have from out there, we're going to get you set for the D23 Expo. We're going to have a few episodes coming up until we get there, just so you know what it's all about and what to expect. So I think we're going to kick that off next week. That's right. And, you know, um, you like you said, you, however you're going to be able to try to experience a D23 um, we really want to make sure we're enriching that experience for you. I, w- the first time that we went, we kind of were lost. And so we've realized, you know, some some of the things that could have made it better. And we want to share that with you all. And hopefully, you know, a lot of you listeners are actually going to be able to participate live at the D23, whether you're there the entire time or for one day. Um, but regardless, we just want to make it a much easier and more fun experience for you. Yeah. And by the way, if you are going to be on the D23 Expo and you see us out there, we are working right now on some sort of little giveaway. Nothing really big, but just something kind of fun that we will, if you run into us and say you listen to the show or you follow us on social media or whatever it may be, uh, just run into us, say you appreciate the show and we will have a little trinket for you. And we just want to meet you in general. So, you know, please, please come up and say hello to us and we'll have much more on that in the weeks to come. Yep. That's it for this show. Uh, Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, Please follow us on social media. We have a lot of fun out there. We've already talked about a lot of the shows that we converse with often. We also have a lot of fun with all our listeners and everybody out there. Please follow us on social media on Twitter at Hyperion Podcast, Facebook, Instagram, and Pinterest at Hyperion Adventures Podcast. And if you want to comment about anything about this show, if you want to comment on any of our topics, if there's something you just want to say, if you just want to say hi, please email us at Hyperion Adventures Podcast at gmail.com. 
definitely do. And again, if you share some of your thoughts with us, we love hearing from you. We want to make this a better podcast. And if you have some ideas, we will definitely give you credit for it. Absolutely. Always will give you credit. We love our Hyperion adventurers. Uh, We also appreciate that you joined us today. In the future, you can find us most everywhere you find podcasts. Best spot to find us is on our own website, HyperionAdventuresPodcast.com. You can also subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts. You can find us on Podbean, Spotify, Stitcher, iHeart Media Podcast whole bunch of different places. If there's some place out there that you normally listen to podcasts and you don't find us there, please let us know. We want to try and get on there. And if you have the time, one, tell a friend about us. It's the best way to get our, you know, known to get our podcast out there to the people who might want to listen to it but also a rating would be wonderful and a review would be spectacular we love all the people that have given us reviews already and we'd love to hear from you if you have something to say about the show absolutely so uh, that's it for this week's show thank you again for listening to the Hyperion Adventures podcast we look forward to spending some time with you again next week but until that time I'm Tom I'm Michelle and we hope that you have a magical week <laughs>